0: Alright, so like the last time I told you guys that I'll always make my sessions Oh, sorry Let's let's gather together and, and pray first Lord, we thank you Thank you for the grace you've given us Thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather together in your name To be able to hear you speak to us To give us grace through your word through your holy spirit through your presence with also god make us give us a heart oh god that understands give us ears oh god that we may hear you give us eyes that we may see you enthroned father oh lord we just lift this moment to you thanking you for the gift of your presence thanking you for the gift of the holy spirit thank you for the gift of life the life that we have oh god we bring before your throne of grace and we worship we adore you we thank you oh god Lord, let the words that we hear today be straight from your spirit. We ask, Abba, Father, for that, that, that grace that can only come through you, O oh Lord. That grace, O oh Lord, to be able to delve deep into your word, O oh Lord, and to be students who are able to learn from you, O oh God, to be taught by you and to be led by your spirit. We worship you in this moment. We give you praise. We enthrone you. And we bless Your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. Okay, so... As I was saying, we're going to make this, my class will always be an interactive session. So be ready to either write notes, read something, or say something, okay? All right, so uh, the series that we're on, just like Sister Aysema said the last time, was uh, what does it mean to be a disciple, Okay. So the last time we asked, I think it was Timmy asked you, "What is a disciple? Who is a disciple?" And you as to say, "Jesus is disciple." <laughs> right? Last the last Sunday, it wasn't. It wasn't last Sunday. Like two Sundays ago, or three Sundays ago, was it? That is the the, the Sunday. The Sunday, Sunday Monday, that I was yeah I was teaching, uh, and I asked Timmy the question, uh, "Who is a disciple?" And what what was your answer? Do you remember? You don't remember? Okay. All right, well, I told you guys that a disciple is a student, right? Do you guys remember? Okay, awesome. So a disciple is no a student. of us have notes. <laughs> See me. So you have to See read. See me. <laughs> Let me get a note. No. no, no, no. A notebook. <laughs> all right uh but before we get to this finding who is a disciple let's look at why you are here again okay uh it was because of the great commission right where jesus told his disciples go and make disciples of all nations So well, you, who does not have a
1: notebook huh okay well, do you want a notebook and here you
0: go because i want some of
1: us. first you. i want oh, to
0: do
1: you, you use it well Okay, she, she says she has a note
0: app on her okay, phone. Okay, uh, you know we are old
1: fashioned. Uh, uh, you did a notebook or you use your note app also? Okay,
0: cool. Yeah? yeah. Alright, so I need somebody to read for us. Again, Matthew 28 from 19 to 20. Who's going to be the first to read? Okay, a hey, disciple this one. So we have disciples or students. That's what we've started with, right? And then I said, all of you are here because of the Great Commission, right? So let's go back and reread the Great Commission. Who's going to read for us? Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Timmy, you have your Bible, so let's go into that section of your Bible. And then you read for us. Verse nineteen through 20. twenty-eight.
1: 19 through 20. Go ye, go ye therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. 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 Who has a different version? Because
0: your version says, "Go ye and teach all nations." You have a different version.
2: Therefore go and make disciples of all nations Baptizing them in the name of the Father And the Son and the Holy Spirit Teach these new disciples To obey all the commands I have given you And be sure of this I am with you always Even to the end of the
0: age Awesome, I like that one So, Because that one specifically tells you the instruction The instruction is to go and make disciples And then those disciples Teach them the things that I have taught them Okay so a, a student is someone who learns. So first of all, I want you guys to understand where the word disciple comes from. Okay, your New Testament is written in, was written in Koine Greek. So the word that is translated there as disciple is mathetes, mathetes means student. M as in Mike, A as in Apple, T as in Tom, H as in Hotel, E as in Echo, T as in Tom, E as in Echo, S as in Sam. M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S, okay? M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S, which means a learner or a student. All right, so now does the word disciple actually start with Jesus? Who knows? Do you think that Jesus was the first to have disciples? Who do you think was probably the first to have disciples? How far back do you think it goes? Adam I don't know. <laughs> Adam <laughs> yeah, So well we could, <laughs> we, could, we could say that God was teaching Adam Adam yes. was probably the first disciples <laughs> The first disciples <laughs> yeah. right? Even Because we know that God taught Cain That's for sure Because God came to him and told him If you do good with you you know that's a correction that's a that's an instruction right yeah, right so and, and god did give adam an instruction like don't right. have the, he disobey the, yeah. the instruction okay so we have examples of people who had uh, disciples we have in the new testament itself we have john the baptist who had disciples and we can read that in mark chapter 2 verse 18 um timmy it's not like i don't like your bible books. I don't like the Bible. Okay, go so us go to uh, Precious, let's read Precious's version. Oh, mine is uh, King James. you is King James. Okay, do you want to read more? Timmy's
1: series one is King James. Uh, he's King James? Oh, really? Yeah, oh. it's King James.
0: Interesting. Okay, I didn't read it that way, King James. Okay, I do like the Bible, but well, not all the time, sometimes. Alright, I'm just joking, FYI. Okay, Precious, read the Mark chapter 2, verse 18.
2: But when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, so people came to Jesus and asked, why don't your
0: disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Okay, so you see that the Pharisees, they had their own disciples. John had his own disciples. We can also tell from uh, Acts chapter 22, verse 3, where Paul tells that he was learned under Gamaliel, one of the leading uh, rabbis in his day. So discipleship even goes all the way back to the Old Testament. We see Elijah had um, Elisha as his student. We see the sons of the prophets were students under Elisha. We see Isaiah, the sons of the prophets who sat before him were also his students. So it's not something that is uncommon when you see that Jesus has disciples. It's something that has been in tradition for quite a long time, way before Jesus came, comes. But then Jesus comes in his time and he tells us that, you know, my sheep, they hear my voice, right? Those who have come before me, they were thieves and robbers, and so my sheep didn't hear them. But now, those who have learned from God, they come to me, right? All right, so let's see. um, What is a disciple not? Number one, a disciple is not a convert. Do you know what a convert is? If I if I ask you, are you born again? That's what they normally ask in Nigeria when I was younger. Are you born again? And you say, Yes, I'm born again, I believe in Jesus. That's just being a convert. You've been converted. It doesn't mean you're a disciple. Okay? So let someone read um since I you can also read as well. Um Matthew twenty three verse fifteen. Matthew twenty three. Matthew 23, fifteen. Fifteen.
1: Uh-huh. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye, for ye compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, yet ye make him twofold more the more the child of hell than yourself.
0: So a proselyte is a convert, someone who converts from. So when he says, you traverse land and sea, meaning you go to other nations to try and convert other people to Judaism, that's a convert. And so Jesus is saying to them, woe to you because you traverse land and sea to go and make a convert of one person. And when you make a person a convert, you make the person twice a child of hell as you are. What does that mean? It means they're making them like themselves. You're not really teaching them the laws of God. So a disciple is not a convert. A convert is any, can be anybody. Anybody that has heard the gospel, anyone that has decided, okay, I am born again, and I now believe in Jesus, but if you're not truly acting as a student, you're not studying, you're not following the master who's teaching you, you're no, nothing more than a convert, okay? Um, so let us look at Let's look at Isaiah chapter eight, verse sixteen, and we'll also look at Jeremiah thirty-one, verse thirty-three. Did you say your phone is not loading, it? Okay. Uh, Jeremiah what? Jeremiah thirty-one, from verse thirty-three to thirty-four. Okay. Uh, we we're just looking at why are why are we why did discipleship start? Like why are we Um, why did Jesus have disciples? Why did all of these people have disciples? Why did the Pharisees have disciples? Why did John the Baptist go about having disciples? Why did, you know, Elijah have his own disciples and stuff like that? What was the whole point of it? So let's read, um, let's read Isaiah first. Isaiah 18, verse
2: 16. Preserve the teaching of God and trust his instructions to those who follow him.
0: There was a different version of used this morning,
1: right? Eh? Yeah, yeah, let me read it. I think uh, uh, King James tells it better. Okay. Verse 16, bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples.
0: Okay, so you see that the prophecy was the fact that God was sealing his instructions within the hearts of his disciples. It's only the disciples that he was sealing the instructions within. It's like when you read the book of Revelation where it says that he put a seal on those who belong to the sins of, who belong to God, right? The ones who were counted as worthy to enter into the kingdom. What was the seal? It's his love. His his instructions was being sealed within them. Right? So if you look at Jeremiah thirty one as well, verse thirty three to thirty four. Um, Miracle, do you want to read that one for us?
3: to that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins
0: no more. No more. So that's just the prophet telling us that this is God's instruction. That this is his new covenant with us. That he will write his law in our hearts. He will write it in our minds. No longer are we going to be teaching each other because everyone will know him. So how will you know him if you're not instructed? Right? This is why the whole idea of discipleship started. Someone has to learn from someone else. Right? All right, so why be a student? Why be a disciple? You know, it's easy for us to say, okay, we wanna be a doctor, so we're gonna be a student. We don't wanna be walking in McDonald's, so we are gonna go to school. In the same way, why be a disciple rather than just a convert? Someone who comes to church every Sunday, someone who comes to church every Christmas or every uh, New Year, why be a disciple? So we'll start with two today. And then we expand it as we go forward in this series. All right? The first one is, um, the student becomes like the master. The student becomes like his teacher. And we can look at this in Luke chapter 6, verse uh, 40. So this time I will read from my own Bible. Luke 6, verse 40. So Jesus says here a student is not above his teacher but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher or like his master right so remember when uh, the pastor was talking last week about we being created in the image of God right Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8 29 maybe you can read that He said
1: that we have been conformed to the image of his son. Romans 8.29. Romans 8.29. For whom? You said we have been conformed. 8.29. Yeah. He said for whom he did for, for knowledge, he also did predestine needs. To be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many
0: brethren. Awesome. So we see Jesus tells us how he's conforming us to his own image here when he says in Luke 6, verse 40, that no student is above his teacher or his master. But when he is fully trained, mm-hmm. he will be like his master. This is how we get conformed to the image of Christ. By being students, by being adent or studio students, right? committed students. That's how we get conformed to the image of Christ. Without discipleship, you're not truly conforming to his image. You could be conforming to your own image or your own understanding of Christ, but without being a true student or a true disciple, you can't become like Christ. All right, and then the second thing, uh, why should you be a student that we will uh, highlight today? is so that you may know the things of the kingdom, right? Only a true disciple knows the things that the master is doing. And we're going to read that from Matthew 13, verse 10 to 17. We talk about when Jesus came, he, he went on talking about the, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And every time he gave a parable and he said the kingdom of heaven is like this, the kingdom of heaven is like that, And we also see where he says, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, right? That's why people always ask you, are you born again? Meaning that, are you born of heaven? So you can enter into heaven. So the whole point is to understand what the kingdom of heaven is. So you can know what is happening in the kingdom and you can be a part of the kingdom. Only a disciple, only a student of the master knows what his master is doing. So we can read Matthew 13, 10 to 17. Michaela, I want you to read for me. I'm going to open it for you. Matthew chapter 13. Okay, read from 10 to 17.
3: So verse seventeen. Uh-huh. This is why I speak to them in parables, though seeing they do not see, and though hearing they do not hear or understand. And them is fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding, we will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For the for this people's hearts have become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn that I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many, righteous, many prophets and righteous men longed to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it.
0: Thank you, Michaela. So we see Jesus is always teaching in parables so that everyone heard what he was saying. But well, only the disciples understood what he was saying because he gave them the interpretation. He, told, he took them aside and tell them, here's the meaning of the interpretation. When a sower goes to sow seed and he scatters his word, these are those who hear on the wayside. These are those who take care. These are those who bear fruit, right? It is only his students that knew the interpretation of what he was saying. So if I can give a prophecy, for everyone will hear but only the true students will understand, right? So the idea of being a disciple the idea of being a student is not so much as just the hearing part Is the understanding part the understanding part is what gives you the the whole um the whole concept of being learned right so if i were to go to school and i was to go and study medicine if i graduate not understanding anything that i was doing, i just know the theoretical part meaning that i crammed my way through college when I get to operate on somebody's heart, I don't understand what I'm doing, right? I know the book said there is a heart and there's a scapula, but I don't understand what those mean, right? I will fail woefully. I will end up killing that person, right? So it's only the student that has a deep understanding of what the teacher taught. It's only the students, it's only the disciple that knows what's going on in the kingdom. When he's coming to inaugurate the kingdom, the disciple did ask him at one point, Lord, are you going at this time to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, it's not for you to know the things that belong in the Father's power, right? So the things that he wants you to know, he will let you know. The things that he says it's not for you to know at this point, you won't need to know them. Because you don't need to know the things that he doesn't want you to know. That's the difference between knowing the knowledge of good and evil, right? Having the knowledge of what God gives you versus what God is trying to keep away from you so that you don't fall into destruction. So, so far, I wanna hear questions. We going to expand on these, uh, why become a disciple, okay? Uh, so far, we understand that a disciple is a student, a student who is um, not just any student, not just one who's there to just hear and just walk away, a student who's willing to learn, who's willing to commit their lives. Because you have to remember, um, there's, a, there's a Jewish historian called Josephus. Josephus decided, uh, describes how he, for three years, became a disciple of one of the sects. I think it was probably the Pharisees' sect. Eh? The Pharisees. And usually to become a disciple, you actually go and live with a person. Because it's not a, it's not a I go to school type of thing where you have classes at a certain time and you walk away, no. Discipleship is actually learning life lessons, meaning that you're living with a person. The person is like your master. You're observing the person. You're seeing how the person lives their lives, what they believe. And for that three-year time frame, chances are you will be so um, adept at the way the person lives their life that you're living your life the same way. This is the, what they call beliefs, their core tenets, what they say. So you are literally there. Your life is literally under that person. And I'm here to live like you, to follow the path that you're following. Because I want to go where you are going. If you believe that Christ is the only way to God, then you want to observe him. You want to live your life. So discipleship is not about going to certain classes. It's about living the entirety of your life, learning from God, following his ways, knowing what his ways are, and observing and doing his ways. That's being the student part, right? That's being the learner part, right? But at the end of your learning experience, there is a reward, which means being conformed to the nature of your master. And it's only those who are conformed to the image of his son, those are the ones who are called the sons of God, right? Okay, so, um, I think that's it for... So, I have a question.
1: So, and like you, ju- according to your explanation, now that a true disciple, mm-hmm. a disciple the, in the real sense of it, has to be under the master, mm-hmm. not just learning the letters of the master, mm-hmm. but the lifestyle of the master, mm-hmm. the you know, mm-hmm. the talents and all that. Mm-hmm. So, in in our today's world, now, if you want to look at it. Look at our ch- our various churches mm-hmm. now. Do we say uh, that we have disciples?
0: So or we the, just
1: have a, a, a zealous members.
0: Uh, we members still have disciples our- because the, the disciple it's a personal choice, you understand? Because Christ never called us to be anything other than disciples of God, okay? Right. Remember the phrase where Jesus says that those who have learned from the Father come to me. So he was at some point supposed to be learning from God. Right? He was supposed to be learning from God the Father. Right? When he says those who have learned from God come to me, he, and then he, another place where he says that um, for God, the Bible, does, the scripture does says that God himself would teach his people. He would will, he will snatch the lambs from the, from the mouth of those who who eats his sheep, right? So, in our today's uh, environment, yes, we don't have the Jesus day or the Elijah day type of discipleship, but there is still that element of discipleship, meaning that we're under the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. It says in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So you're under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit. You will not, you probably don't need to go and live at Pastor's house, and observe how pastors living their life on a day to day basis and be uh, studying them, observing them, see what they believe in and follow their footsteps on seeing how they're following Jesus. But you in your own part, in your own house, you're under the tutelage of the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit teach it? He teaches in different ways. He teaches through dreams. The Bible says that in the last days I'll pour my spirit on all flesh, your young men shall dream dreams, your your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, right? So he teaches through visions, he teaches through dreams, he even teaches through, even inkling in your mind. For example, you might be, uh, you might have done something wrong, like yell at someone, it happened to me recently, and then suddenly I just had a really guilty conscience. like I'm so sorry for yelling at that person and hanging up the phone on them. It was someone that, I was trying to get them to refund something for me. (laughs) Because there's nothing I can't do. Like, I can't make the refund come faster than you want the refund to come. And I got angry. And then automatically, I had this, like, regret in my heart. Like, what if she was a Christian and you needed to be nice to her? Even if she wasn't a Christian, what if she's just someone that needed niceness for today? That is the spirit that can teach you. That is the Holy Spirit teaching you that in everything, you should be mindful of who you are and how you treat other people right? Because the commandments is to show of love, right? That's what you, it's not whether the person does what you want them to do. So the Holy Spirit teaches you in different ways. We're under the tutelage of the Spirit. You just have to be willing to learn. And at that moment, as I had that, you know, immediate, like, regret for doing that to her, I apologized to God. I said, Lord, I'm sorry for doing that. learn and learn. I will not be getting angry next time on the phone, even if they come process my refund immediately, right? Um, so it's just, and God will always look for the, the things that, you, you, that are weaknesses in yourself. Those are the things that he creates opportunities for you to learn to overcome, right? It could be anger. It could be um, not being uh, friendly or not being loved, not showing love. It could be different ways. So the thing is to, in your own daily life, the spirit is there to teach you. You just have to be a willing student. So we are still disciples, but we're learning on the Holy Spirit because this is what Christ came, to institute the kingdom of heaven, to institute the words of God, which says that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. If you're not a willing participant, the spirit can't be poured on you. right? Does that answer
1: your
0: question? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay, so we move on to the main service. We thank God. Thank God. For learning today. We Okie dokie. So, uh, we'll go ahead and start. Um, we'll continue when with a series of. You know, Again?
1: Yes, because you are, they are now recording
0: you. Uh, oh, really? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Alrighty then. <laughs> uh, I'll go ahead and pray a second time. Father, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your gift. The gift of your holy spirit thank you the gift of your presence in our lives thank you for the gift of salvation even through christ jesus thank you oh god for the gift of eternal life even through your son father we worship you this morning we give you glory honor we reverence you oh god we come in surrendering surrendering our hearts to you O lord that you will teach us today oh god we come seeking your face we come seeking O god your word we ask, Lord God, that you give us ears to hear you at this time. We ask, O oh God, that you give us a heart that understands, that we may cleave to you, O oh God, and be doers of you. We will have the grace, O oh God, to walk with you, O oh Lord, and to be obedient students. Father, O oh God, give us that presence, O oh Lord, of your Holy Spirit, with anointing and with power, O oh Lord. We worship you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your righteousness. We thank you for who you are to us. Be glorified in now, Lord. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Okay, dokie. Alright, so praise God for that. Um, we're going to continue with the what it is a disciple, who is a disciple, and why be a disciple, right? So those are questions that we're asking ourselves in this series. I'll just recap what we talked about last week so that we kind of go into what we're doing this week, all right? So last week, we we talked about what is a disciple, and the first thing we did was to define what a disciple is, right? It comes from the Greek word, which is mathetes, right, which means learner or student. And then we read the Great Commission, which is in Matthew chapter 19 to 20 which says you know go ye out into the world and make disciples of all nations okay remember that does it mean make disciples like every nation will be a disciple no it means that from every nation there will be a disciple so you are someone who is called out of one of the nations the nation of nigeria probably most of you are here nigerians (laughs) usa (laughs) citizens <laughs> but you are a representative of a nation that has been called to be a disciple. And then we talked about. Please, can
1: you say that again? So, as citizen of a nation.
0: Yeah, you are a disciple from that nation. Okay. Yeah. So he, the word was to go and make disciples of every nation, right? Okay. So disciples come. Initially, the original disciples were all Israelis. They're all Jews, right? Jesus didn't go about calling his disciples from every nation. Even there was a point when a woman, a Syrophoenician woman, who came from Phoenicia, she came begging him and saying, my daughter is possessed with a demon. Come and heal her. And what did Jesus say to her? It is not good to give the food that belongs to the children to the dog. Mm-hmm. And then she retorted and says, even the dog eat the food from their master's table. Meaning that I might be your servant. I might not be your child. But I still deserve to the crumbs that fall from your table. And she. And then Jesus said, not even in Israel have I seen so much faith. Right? So we have been called from the nations. The, 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 the prophecy was that I will scatter you to every corners of the earth. Right? That is what God told the nation of Israel. that If you don't follow me wholeheartedly, if you don't obey my laws and my commandments, I will come and I will scatter you. Right? And that scattering did happen. In 70 A.D., what did Rome do? Rome burnt. I think the church. They burnt the nation down. They not. they not only burned it down. They filled it with salt and sand and made sure that and re- removed the temple that was there. They put. Uh, was this Zeus or was, who was there? It wasn't uh, Jupiter. Yeah. Was I think. Zeus or Jupiter I can't remember which one the king of the the king the one of it was Ido Zeus or Jupiter they changed the temple they put it and they renamed the whole place Palestinia which is the old name Philist Philis, Philistia right which is the Philistines so they renamed this Palestinia to represent the old nation of the Philistines right so that they could wipe away the name of the Jews from the land but this was also a prophecy in the book of Daniel which says that and the the holy nation shall be trampled down until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, right? This is all to fulfill prophecy. But those who were Jews were scattered to the ends of the earth. We have in Africa, we have African Jews. If you don't know, no, now. Some of you sitting here could actually have ancestry of Jewish, but you don't know because we've lost it over time, right? But today, as you come to God, you come through Christ. Whether you're an ancient uh, Hebrew or you're not an Asian Hebrew, doesn't matter because all in Christ we are in one, right? But you represent a nation that has been called because the, the, the message was to go to every nation and make disciples of all nations. So we have Christianity in China, we have Christianity in North America. Today we represent an African heritage, right? We come from Africa, but we are a nation that have been called to know God, right? We are disciples, we've been called as disciples to obey the commandments, Right? All right. So then we talked about did this actually start with Jesus? We talked about the fact that it started with um, a lot farther than that. Even the prophets they had disciples, they had students who learned at their feet. Isaiah had his students. Elijah had Elisha. Elisha had Ge- Gehazi. So we say that discipleship started way before then, right? So you have the Pharisees; they had their own disciples. Um, John the Baptist had his own disciples. And then we discuss why it all started. Why did the whole discipleship thing start? And we talked about the prophecies, which was, Every man shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For God will write his word in their hearts. Right? So the only way for the word to be written in your heart is if you have it in your mind. If you study it, it's engrafted in your heart. Right? Yes. All right. So when then we came to, why be a student? Why be a disciple as opposed to a convert? We said that a disciple is not a convert, right? Mm -hmm. A convert is someone who hears the gospel, I believe, and that's it. They come to church once in a blue moon, during Christmas, during Easter. That's a convert. It means that you have converted from whatever you used to believe in, from being in the world to knowing that there is a God who reigns over heaven and earth. You have entered into the kingdom, but you don't know how to obey his commandments, right? It's like when... uh, during the time of king, the king of Assyria, when he sacked the northern kingdom and he, he deported them to Assyria and then he brought people from other nations to come and take over the land. And then they were worshipping their own gods in the land and lions came and attacked them and they say, go and bring a priest to teach us how to worship this god, Right? <laughs> because the god of this land is <laughs> very strong. <laughs> right? All right. So, um, and then we said, why, why be a student? The first thing was, the student becomes like the master, right? We, we read like Luke 6, verse 40, and Romans 8, verse 29. And then the second thing we delved into was uh, to know the things of the kingdom. Only a true disciple knows the things that his master is doing. Praise the Lord. Okay? All right, so we continue from there. And we're, we're going to expatiate more. Uh, the first thing that I want us to be aware of is a, a a disciple, like any student, is working towards the mastery of something. Okay, When you go to school to be a student, so you are working towards a certain degree. You might just be in school, switching courses. I know a guy who was at Texas State here. He had been in school for seven years. You even talked about one that had been in school for seven years, and he has switched his majors like multiple times. And then by the time he was in my accounting class, my accounting class was, uh, it was, what do you call it, the third year? Junior? Junior. Junior, right. It was the third year. I said, so have you made up your mind on what your major is? And he says, no. You've been here seven years. (laughs) You haven't made up your mind about what your major is. So you have to understand that a disciple is someone who's uh, progressing towards the mastery of something. Right, that mastery is under your teacher. Now, one example I like to look at is Paul. We're very good at talking about how Paul was the killer of the the church. He was persecuting the church, but you have to remember that Paul grew up under Gamaliel, mm-hmm. and if we look at Gamaliel, Gamaliel was the one that spoke in the council that if you guys um, don't stop persecuting the people, you find out that you know you'll be you'll be fighting against God himself, mm-hmm. right? So it's not as if Gamaliel was a bad teacher. Neither was Paul. Paul was just doing what he knew to do, right? He was following the letter of what he had been taught, right? If he was, if he was, if he, he was obviously committed to the faith that he was practicing, right? As a, as a Pharisee, as a Judean, he was committed to preserving the traditions that God had handed down to him to him he was serving god with fervency and that's why he said that the things that he did god showed him mercy because he was doing them in innocence of his heart right it wasn't like he was a murderer looking for people to kill he was following his faith that the way he understood his faith to the letter until christ revealed himself and told him that no it's me you're fighting against you're you're not you're not pre- preserving me you're fighting against me and that's why he became he turned. He, he turned So he was practicing, he was a student, he was doing what he knew to do, but he was doing it in the wrong way. And so when God corrected him, he continued doing the same thing. It's like when I said, I'm an accountant, right? I go to school, I study for accounting, but then I go, I start working for um, a Fortune 500 company, and then suddenly God tells me that that's not where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be in the government, working for the government. Because that Fortune five hundred company that you're working for, they're just ripping people off. I want you to go and do it more. It's still the same accounting. I just pivoted to do working for the right person. He's no longer working for the Pharisees who were fighting against God. He's now working for God Himself. But he because he knew he knew the traditions. He knew the, the letter. He knew the law. He, he had studied the law. He was a student of the law. He knew the law. So when he was dance preaching about Jesus, he knew how to apply the tenets of the law to who Jesus is and what Jesus fulfilled, right? That's why he was a very handy tool in spreading the word to the, to the Gentile nations, right? All right, awesome. So now, um, so to continue with uh, why be a student, a disciple is prepared in and out of season, right? Mm-hmm. You being a student, being a disciple, means that um, this experience will prepare you for what is to come. And this continues from you know, knowing the things of the kingdom. Only the true disciple knows the things of the kingdom. So we'll read a couple of uh we'll read a couple of verses today. Let's go first with Amos chapter 3, verse 7. Uh Precious. Amos chapter 3, verse 7. Amos chapter 3, verse 7.
2: Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants,
0: the prophets. Amen. Amen. All right, so we see that God seldom does anything without revealing it to his servants, right? We know the story of um, Elijah during the days of, uh, was it the Assyrian army, when uh, every time he would go in and he would reveal it to the king, and then the king says, what, what is happening there? So I said, there's a mole in this place. And I said, no, there's a prophet in Israel. <laughs> God always tells you what you do inside your bedroom, right? So we know that God reveals what He does to His children. There was one time that um, there was a I, there was a, a building that collapsed in Florida, and it was on the news. And I told my and my husband was like, structure. It was structural building, and they said they wanted to investigate it, And like, why did the company not know even after multiple um, uh, you know complaints, yeah, and, and assessments, and they were passing the assessment. And I told my husband something. I said that the truth is we have grown so far away from God because of our modern society, because of the access to Internet, all the things that are distractions. The truth is when something like that is coming, if if you are so grounded in your faith, God will tell you, move out of this place right now because this building is about to collapse. God will reveal one thing or the other to you. There's always going to be, if you are a true student working with God, with the Holy Spirit, this is the promise. This is the faith that we have. He will pour out his Spirit upon you. And that Holy Spirit warns you, tells you of things to come. The Spirit of Christ, the testimony of Christ is the Spirit of prophecy. What is the Spirit of prophecy? Not only to speak, but to see the things that are coming, to foretell. Right. So that is the, that is the need to be a committed student, to be a true student. All right. The next thing we're going to read is uh, John chapter four, verse thirty-five. Timmy, do you want to read for us this time? John four, John four thirty-five. Yes.
3: Say not ye there are.
1: Ye. There are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look unto the fields, for they are white already to harvest.
0: Thank you. So this uh, verse comes after Jesus had met the woman at the well, right? And he told the woman, go and call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And then he said to her, "Uh, yeah, I know, because you already have five husbands. And the woman, the man you're with... It's not your husband, right? And then she said, I I suspect you're a prophet because you just told me my whole life story, right? And then she left her bucket and she went into the city and said, come and see a man that told me my whole life story. And then his disciples come back and they see him and they said, you know, they, they didn't ask him why he was talking to the Samaritan woman, but they said, you know, you haven't eaten. And he says, my food is to eat, to do the will of my father. And then they said, as somebody giving him food, no, they asked him, as somebody giving him food, he said, my food is to eat the will of my father. And then he says, do you not say there are four months unto harvest? Well, look now, even the harvest is coming. What does that mean? It's talking about the fact that don't think that the harvest is oncoming. The harvest is happening right now, which means a disciple has to be ready in and out of season, right? Only a true disciple gets ready whether it's harvest time, whether the harvest time is in future, you're ready in and out of season. The one key thing I want you to pay attention to is what he's saying is that don't think that the harvest is in four months. But lift up your eyes now, for even the harvest is happening right now. All right? All right, so the next verse we will read, this one is going to be a lengthy one. So Mark 11, 12 to 25 Michaela, do you want to read that one for us, please? <clears throat> Mark, 1, 11. Yeah, Mark 11. Yes, Mark eleven twelve 12 to 25. Oh, 12
1: to 25. Yes. Oh, that is long.
0: Yeah, it's a long one. And then we, we have one more long one before before we. Uh, I'll give one more, um, one more point why you have to be an ardent disciple. Mark 11, 12 to 25. Mark 11 mm-hmm. verse 12 to 25. So read from verse 12 to 25. And on the morrow, when they,
3: were, when they were coming from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree far off, off, off he leaves, he came, if half like he might. He found nothing but leaves, and the time of this was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat of this fruit, thee thereafter, forever. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went to the temple, and began to cast out those who sold and bought the temple, and overthrew the tables of money changers, and the seats of those who sold doves. And would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel to the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, It is not written, My house shall be called, My house shall be called, all, of all nations as a house of prayer, for you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. They feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. And when and when even was when evening was coming, he went out of the city, and in the morning they passed by and saw a fig tree drive from its roots. And Peter calling to remembrance sake upon him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou hast cursed is withered away. And Jesus answered unto them, Have faith in God. For I say unto you that whoever say to this mountain be removed. He to the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he said will come to pass. He shall have whatever he believes. Therefore, I say unto
0: you, Are you sure you're not past 25? 25?
3: No, twenty five? Oh, okay.
1: Okay. Now twenty four.
3: Therefore, I say unto you, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe, and you will receive them, and you shall have them.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mikhail. morning. Okay, so the reason why I wanted us to read this is I wanted you guys to look at, there's two groups of people. Well, there's literally only one group of people. Three groups of people, well, maybe two groups of people and one thing, basically. The first group is the disciples who will follow him and observe him, right? Those are the ardent students, right, who are paying attention to what he's doing and everything that he's doing. The second group is the people who are selling and trading at a temple, right? And they're doing what they're used to doing. They're the everyday money grabbing people who just work. And I told Michaela that you don't understand the the depth of this, what they're doing, until you actually visit somewhere like Jordan. In Jordan, there's a place called the Treasury, it's a temple, it's an old temple. Uh, it's a uh, it's a wonder, all right. It's an old temple that used to be for a temple for uh, Zeus and uh, uh, Zeus and and uh, uh, Ra. Ra is the Egyptian god. Uh, it was from the Nabataean kingdom, but if you go there, it's a World Heritage site. So if you go to Jordan, a lot of tourists come there and they visit it. But when you go outside, there are people selling uh, trinkets, bangles. Even they even try to sell you like old Nabataean coins. And I like to uh, old currency, old Nabataean currency. So I, I, this guy came to me. He said, uh, they'll be hackling you. They'll be yelling, bangles, bangles. They, will be speaking, they speak Arabic. So one of them came to me and said, uh, will you buy ancient uh, Nabataean coin? And then I was about to say yes. And then the tall guy said, that's fake. And so he looked at the tall guy like, why are you trying to ruin my business? And then he said, okay, I have the real one. So I said, how much? And he told me, uh, he he wanted to sell me one for like 250 Jordanian uh, uh, denarii. 250 Jordanian denarii is like $350, right? Because their money is higher than us. So I said, go away, I don't want it. So he now said, okay, how much will I pay? And I'll beat it down to um, about... 50 uh, Jordanian denarii for four pieces, four or five pieces of the, uh, I I chose the ancient ones, the ones that are from like the Roman era. And so when I came back home, he was like, oh, I cheated him, I cheated him. When I came back home, I found out that you can buy like 300 of those pieces for like $30, which (laughs) I spent, I spent $18. So these people, they're actually robbers. They're hacklers. They're actually there. To hackle and make money. And when Jesus is telling them that you're making my house a den of robbers, he meant that those people are, these, these people are thieves standing in front of God's temple and robbing people blind, right? You will not understand the depth of what he's saying until you actually go to a place like that and you see it. It's the same thing happens in Egypt. If you go to the front of the pyramids, you see hacklers. The tall guys will tell you, don't give them anything. They are thieves. Because they are, just, they are just there to make money. So you have one group of people who are the Adam students. You have another group of people who are going about their daily business, which is getting money. And then you have another group of people who are the Pharisees who are saying, why are you stopping that? Why don't you let them continue their work? And then you have one thing, which is a tree, the tree of its own. It says, it was not the season for figs. It was in leaf. But Jesus went there to look to see whether it had fruit. All right? It was not the season for figs. Why did he get angry when it was not the season for fig? Right? But the Adam student observes that Christ is not waiting for you to produce fruit in season. He's waiting for you to produce fruits in and out of season. Amen. All right? So you don't, you, you're not going to be waiting there. Okay, it's time. I, so something happened to me yesterday. I told you guys that I I did my exam the last three weeks ago, right? It was an RS exam, and I don't know how I passed that exam. I still use the same study tactics to study for the second part. And then I began to see what the exam was doing. There are certain questions that if you don't study, you won't know the answer. So there were certain questions that I kept skipping them. I was like, oh, God, you can only know this one if you actually read it and you know the letter to the word. And then the other ones you can probably calculate, you can guess, you, you do that. Or you can remember all your tax preparation experience to so you used to answer them. But there are certain ones that if you did not read the codes, the circular 230 code, which is the IRS book, <laughs> IRS law, you will not know the answer. And so when I finished my exam, I failed. <laughs> so I told my husband, let's go and celebrate my failure because of the fact that I knew that I was not studious. And I had to change my strategy. I had to be ready in and out of season. So the moment that you are a true student, you have to recognize. And see, when Peter observed that the tree has withered, what did he tell Peter? I have to be ready. Whether it's my time or not my time. Right? And that's why he says, Master, the tree that you cursed is already withered. Everybody can say that, Why did you curse the tree? It wasn't even his time to produce fruit. But Jesus was like, may nobody eat from you. Because I'm here right now. And you're not available to give to me. Right? So be ready to produce when your master. That's why Jesus said, be ready when your master, when your, your master comes. All right, so we'll read one more uh, long verse, and then we'll quickly go to this before, be, be, uh, before Pastor comes and takes over. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Pastor, if you want to read for us. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 1 to 13. 1 to
1: 13.
0: 1 to 13. Okay.
1: Praise
0: the Lord. Then shall
1: the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lambs and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lambs. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept and at midnight there was a cry a cry made behold the bridegroom cometh. go ye out to meet him then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. and the foolish said unto the wise give us of your oil for our lands are gone out but the wise answered saying not so Least there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know ye I know you not. Watch therefore for ye, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh.
0: Okay. So the whole point of discipleship is you're preparing for something. Right? You see the six ver the, the ten virgins, right? They're all prepared for something. It's just that one group of them were truly prepared, meaning that they carried the oil. I mean, if you think about a lamp, why would you carry a lamp but you wouldn't carry anything extra? Because you don't know when it's going to be. Maybe you're thinking that, oh, the wedding is going to happen tonight. I have enough oil for it to happen tonight. But you don't know. Nobody else, nobody actually knows when he is coming, right? So you have to prepare. If he comes today, I'm ready. If he comes tomorrow, I'm ready. If he comes in three years' time, in 10 years' time, in 20 years' time, if he comes in the next generation, I'm ready. I'm ready to be ready, basically. So you're working towards the mastery of something. And that mastery is to be ready when your master, who has called you, shows up, right? So we don't have enough time left, so I'll probably leave the next one to, till next week, right? Okay, but uh, the key thing that we take away from today's study is um, a disciple is prepared in and out se- season, right? So pre- you have to be prepared for what is to come. All right. Okay. Do we have any questions before we end our Sunday school? Uh, I, don't, I don't. Anybody
1: has questions to ask?
0: Any rebuttals? This
1: is the guru you can ask. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who is a disciple? Who is a disciple? Oh, that, that, <laughs> I know that you you differentiate, you give us the difference between a disciple and a convert.
0: Yeah.
1: A convert, is, a, 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 a convert is, I'm born again, I've accepted Christ, and it ends there. Yeah. Okay, then a disciple is the one, I'm born again.
0: I'm a student. I
1: have accepted Christ, and i I accepting him. I want to follow him. Yes. I want to follow him. And in following him, I want to learn, know the the rules. The regulations. of yeah. following him. Yes. Yes. As a
0: disciple. Yes. As a disciple is a student. One who's working towards the mastery of something. So you remember what we said. A student is not above his master, but when he's fully trained, he becomes like his master. Right? So you're working towards mastery of something. And... We'll, we'll kind of continue from there next week. The next one we're going to look at is um, um, becoming that good and faithful servant, the the disciple that bears fruit, which is what Christ wants from us, right? Mm-hmm. He wants us to bear fruit. You have a question? Yeah. You know,
2: when you read the Bible, naturally, the disciple is someone who has a
1: beautiful food of God.
0: Those who want to know good things.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, so, what if you say
3: to
0: the disciples from also you know, Disciple five. is, is, this, is this also the servants, right? Because the, 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 the key word to understand here is that uh, they use those words interchangeably. But disciples is mostly used for someone is a student. So, in training. in training, like you are a student in training. So, Gehazi was a servant at the time, but he was also a student, right? So Gehazi was also doing the chores and the errands for Elijah, right? He was also doing all of the, um, all the things that you. It's like an apprentice, right? The person who does all your your work for you, your errands for you. You could be serving under someone, but the disciple is more of a student, one who is walking closely and observing what you're doing. They're they're studying and they they want to become, just like you, basically, right?
1: So can you say, like, when it comes to disciples, uh, you have to have someone, like, a physical person that you're looking up to, and mm-hmm. you understand? Yeah. Learning his ways and all that, while the servant is, like, you know? For example, the Bible says, David, my servant.
0: Correct. So, OK, so so um, a disciple, you don't, in the days of Jesus, right? You had to have someone who is physical, which was Jesus. Different groups had their own disciples. The Pharisees had their disciples. John had their disciples. Literally, people had to go and walk under a disciple, right? But after Jesus came, died, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh, right, we now became disciples under the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, which means you don't necessarily have to have someone you walk under, but you could have someone who you walk under, right? Right? Um, We have different people who are influencing our lives. For example, pastor is influencing your lives. He talks to you. I listen to Reverend Chris sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes the Holy Spirit questions what I just heard, right? I listen to another Rabbi Kirk Snyder. So we are listening to someone one way or the other. We have physical people who the Holy Spirit, because you can't be an island on your own. Right. Because the spirit isn't just within you. It is amongst you. Right. Which means that the the kingdom is it'll bear witness within you through the Holy Spirit, but it'll also give you confirmation and things that are happening around you. Right. So which means today, if I see someone who's a false teacher, the Holy Spirit will bear witness that that is a false teacher. Do not follow that teacher. All right. Some people will follow because they don't have the confirmation of the Holy Spirit within them. And those people, they have their own parts to play, right? Because somebody has to fulfill the, the, the word that says there will be many false prophets that if it were possible, that even the, even the elect will be deceived, right? Somebody has to fulfill that part, right? So those who are false prophets, they're fulfilling their parts of false prophecy, and in the end, they will have their own reward. But your, um, your calling, you individually, you've been called to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he will bear witness within you and outside of you. So your discipleship is under the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, right? When Jesus was telling his disciples, don't call anyone rabbi, because you have one teacher, which is Christ and which is the Holy Spirit, right? So you have the Spirit to direct you. Your discipleship is under the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit will also bear confirmation outside of you. Does that answer your question? Yes. Yeah, okay. All right. So you make a good point, though. So my servant is someone who's already working. Disciple is someone who's learning to execute those work that they're working, right? Okay. All right, cool. So he's just thought of something really good. All right, so let Lord? me. I,
1: I just learned something. <laughs> you see, that is why the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. Yeah. As we gather together, we gather to learn from each other. I was listening to Mike Moreau
0: a few days, about a week ago, he was talking about lion, lion being. All right. So today, uh... oh, that's what's causing it. Okay. All right. Uh, We'll start the the scripture that we're going to open with is uh, Romans chapter 1. Uh, from verse 20 to 32, and I will go ahead and read. Um, I don't have it to display on the screen, but I'll go ahead and complete read. So it's Romans chapter 1. Okay, all right, awesome, thank you. romans chapter 1 from verse 20 through uh, 32 so i'll go and read for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse or that they may be because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish part was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the inc- uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things wherefore god also gave them up to uncleanliness through the loss of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of god into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever amen for these cause god gave them up into vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into what which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lost one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debates, deceits, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boastful, inventors of, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breaker, without natural affection, implacable. Unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that which that day which commits such things are worthy of death. Not only do they do the same, but have pleasure in them to do them. Amen. Father, we ask for understanding of your word. We ask, O oh God, for grace, the Lord to just be present here and to hear you. In Jesus' name, Amen. So this is a very, when I first read the scripture, this is a very strong scripture for me, right? Why did I go towards uh, this particular verse for today? Today's uh, today's uh, scripture or today's title that we're going to talk about is, be careful not to exchange the real Jesus with an image of him that you have inherited. Again, I'll say, that be careful not to exchange the real Jesus for an image of him which you have inherited. So earlier today, when we were doing the Bible study uh, section, we talked about how Jesus always reveals himself to his disciples, right? Uh, And that the relationship that we have with him is one of love as opposed to just master or teacher and student. It's one that is a bond of love, all right, so now why did I uh, pick what I didn't, I honestly didn't pick this topic. It was just something that God placed in my heart yesterday while I was thinking through what to actually talk about today. And um, it, I was reminded of something that happened to me as a child. When I was a kid, uh, I'll tell you guys a quick background story. When I was a kid in Nigeria, right, uh, my parents were not Christians, so my stepdad was an idol. But my neighbor, I remember him. His name is Festus, right? I was probably about 13, probably between 10 and 13. He used to come to our house, and he will make me memorize the Book of Matthew. He will make me read it. Every day he will come. When I was back from school, we would spend hours just making me memorize the words. I was a kid back then. I was between 10 and 13. I can't remember exactly. but. He will make me memorize. I could quote every book in the New Testament, like from Matthew through to John, right? Those are the books that he made me memorize. And uh we did this for maybe about two or three years, something like that. Uh and I could quote repent for the kingdom. I used to stand on the road and yell at people, be repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I was a kid, like I said, I was in secondary school. And the truth is, even back then, I didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't understand the gospel. I just remember that I was scared of going to hellfire. I just, I the relationship I had with God at that time was one of, I'm scared that he will send me to hell.
2: So I didn't want to
0: do anything bad, right? Now, one day, uh, when, when I could recite the whole thing, like I could read it back to him, uh, he then, uh, he, he would ask me to re- recite it back. I would memorize everything, regurgitate what I had read. You know, uh, blessed are these, the, the blessed that the peacemakers, but they share. You know, the canary the, the earth. Blessed are this everything. I would recite it back to him. And then one day he came to our house. This was this was the last day that I saw him. He came to our house. He said, "You are ready." And then he grabbed my head. Right. He he held the back of my head and then he pushed my my forehead here against the fridge. Like he pushed it hard against the fridge. And as he pushed it against the fridge, I saw an image, like I saw an image of Jesus. And then he he left my head and said, what did you see? And then I said, I saw a picture of Jesus. He said, which Jesus? It's like the Jesus that you see on a Catholic poster, right? That image of Jesus. He said, that's good enough. And he went, and I never saw him ever again. Like that was the last day I ever saw Festus. I still remember his name to today. I probably don't remember his face, but I remember him. But well, back then, that was the only image of Jesus that I knew, right? As I grew older, um, I kind of, there are times when you, you are in your teenage years when you go into university, you get carried away by university life and modern lifestyle, and you forget the gospel, but the gospel is still hidden within you, right? Um, you walk away from the faith, but the faith is still hidden within you, right? But you haven't gotten to the point where you've actually establish that bond with Jesus. You haven't actually, um, you know the gospel, you know what it says, you know it says, don't do this. You just know the rules, the rules that you're not supposed to follow. Well, as I graduated university, God God broke me down. When I say broke, and it started to happen when I was a lot older, when I, you know, I had gotten married and I had had my first child. God broke me down and began to reveal himself to me. Since I was a kid, that was the first time I saw an image of Jesus in any shape or fashion or in any kind of dream or any kind of vision. But as I grew older, I started to develop in my faith after I had kids. I started to see Jesus in my dreams. But the Jesus that I saw looked nothing like the things that you see on the Catholic posters. In my dream, when I wake up, I wonder, how did I you know it was Jesus? But in my dream, I knew he was the one. Like, I, knew, you know the way you say, I know my husband that that's that's him i know him that's timmy i know him that's i i knew him in my dream but he looks nothing like the posters. now why do i tell that story is because all of us we've inherited the image of jesus in one way or the other if you go to beirut right there's a store that sells jesus images there's a black jesus there's a chinese jesus there's a jesus of any kind of if you go to brazil they carry us the the catholics in brazil they carry a statue of jesus and they do a parade around the country and that jesus looks like a hispanic jesus right now all of these people believe that they're disciples of jesus right but to them they have inherited an image of jesus and they've walked with that image to them they are serving the lord but they're carrying an image of him right I'm going to read another scripture before we go into some of the main scriptures that we are going to talk about. Uh, Psalm Psalm 106, 20 to 21. If somebody wants to read uh, for us, that would be awesome. Have it. I... Yeah. Okay. Uh, you wanna read? I don't gonna... so, Yes. So, so, so the that glory into the,
1: so up, and so the birth of God, the
0: Okay. So, we see two different letters, right? The one in Romans was Paul, a Jew a former Pharisee who then believed in Jesus, writing a letter to the Romans, to the nations, to the Gentiles. These were non-Jews. Any nation that wasn't a Jewish nation, he was writing to them, admonishing them and telling them how in the past, the nations had traded God, even though everything about God was easily reflected in all of creation. Like you can see his power, his great glory, and all the things that he created. They chose to ignore his greatness and they chose to worship a work of their own hands. And so God gave them up to their own reprobate ways, right? But then in the book of Psalms, we see the psalmist talking about Israel coming out of Egypt and trading God's glory that they had seen with their own eyes for the likeness of a bull that ate the grass. Why did they trade? the god that they had seen with their eyes was something like that why do you think they did that the bull that they made well it didn't just come out of thin air they were actually taking the gods they had seen in egypt with them the apis bull is an egyptian god it's a god of uh cultural or what you call it uh agriculture the god of agriculture, the god that is responsible for making sure that they have food and sustenance on the land, making sure that the crops grow. It's a it's an Egyptian god. They carried the image they had seen in Egypt with them into the wilderness because they were more concerned about food and sustenance. They weren't concerned about the mighty and great god who had done great mighty works in their eyes. They weren't concerned about knowing who that god is. This God that came to you and told you that I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. They weren't concerned can you tell me more about who you are? Let me know you more. But when Moses was up on the mountain getting the commandments that he needed to hand down to them, they said, as for this Moses we don't know where he is. Just make us a God that will go with us. And out came the bull. But the bull is something that had seen in Egypt. It wasn't something that came out of thin air. All right, so the point of all this is to make you understand that it's easy and unrecognizable. You will not realize that you are trading the God that is trying to reveal himself for the image that you have inherited. So how do you avoid not carrying an image that you've inherited? If you go to a lot of, uh, Christian communities if I think I've asked this question to me in the past when I said who is Jesus to you? He talked about he's my provider, he is my healer, he is my rock, he's my this. Everybody has a Jesus. He's the one who provides me with all that I have. Yes, he does all of that. But who is the Jesus that you know? Is it the Jesus that has revealed himself to you or the Jesus whom you have carried at the back of your mind? That this is who he is this is who i learned he is as he revealed himself to you is the main question all right let's look at matthew 13 verse 44. if someone can read for me that would be awesome yeah 13 verse uh 44. Thank you so Jesus the, begins to describe the way the kingdom is I whenever I read that verse I always ask myself that why didn't the man not just take the treasure and just run away and just he didn't have to spend any money right? because in the end the treasure that he got was free right well he went and gave up all that he had so he could buy that treasure so he could buy the land the land itself is what cost him everything he had but the treasure itself was actually free I always I asked Michaela once that why do you think he went back and bought the land why didn't he just you know just take the treasure that he found and just go away and you know hide it and keep it and whatever he wants to do with it but then we began to debate and say, OK, well, maybe there's more treasure on the land. That's why he bought the land. You know? It's like when you discover oil, You know, all of a sudden, you want to buy the whole land. Because normally when people who uh, go for drilling, people who go drill for oil, like the oil companies Chevron, what happens is that if they discover that there is oil on one part of the land, they'll try to buy everybody out of the neighborhood because they believe that the oil will run underneath the whole thing. So his his idea is that, okay, I found treasure here, but he hides it first. He doesn't let anybody know that it's there because this is the best thing he's ever found. And he goes and he buys the land and he has the land and the treasure. And Christ is telling you the same thing is with the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that when you find it, you should be willing to give up all you have to discover that treasure. To discover the depths of that treasure. Uh, we'll read again. Uh, this is how Jesus is. At. I've always asked myself that, why does Jesus speak in parables, right? Why doesn't he just tell them plainly? Even if sometimes his disciples were always coming to him and asking him, you know, why are you always speaking in parables? Why don't you tell us everything? And then he tells them that, to you it's given the benefit to know the things of the kingdom, but to them it's not given for them to know, right? It's it, To them it's fulfilled the phrase that said, having ears ever hearing but not understanding, having eyes ever perceiving but not seeing, right? So let's go to Matthew, uh, and I'll go ahead and read this one. Matthew chapter 6 um, from verse 19 through 21. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rot doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rock thought corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." All right, so we see Jesus begins to break it down. That parable, is not just about a man buying a field with a treasure in it, right? Because he's trying to tell you, don't keep your treasures here on earth. Keep your treasures somewhere else. Lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where tears can't break to steal it. The moth isn't going to come and consume it for you, right? I remembered recently uh, we just redid our bathroom, and then I started to notice the same reason why we redid our bathroom, which is like the woods, the water that comes out, it starts to rot the wood, right? That was the reason why we did that. The same water has started to enter of the woods. And you can start to see like little bits of wet wood starting to creep up again. And it's so fickle what we have on earth, right? And Jesus is trying to tell us here to remember that I'm not the God who's giving you treasures on earth. I'm not the one. We all have this image of Jesus that he's the one who makes provisions for us. Yes, he does make provisions for us. The truth is that if you have God in your if you have God in you, if his presence is in you, you become blessed. You'll be blessed in your going out, you become blessed in your coming in. But he is asking you to seek the source of that blessing, not to seek the blessing in itself. Because if you keep those things on earth with you, they will fade away, they will wash away, but he is the source. You, wherever the source is, that's where it will be. So you should be seeking in his presence in all things. So I'll go on to Matthew chapter 19, 16 to 21. Uh, do you want to read uh, Ike for us? Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Yeah. Oh, six. 6, uh, sorry, not 6, 19 to 21. Uh, Matthew 19, 16 to 21. Matthew 19, 16 to 21.
1: Thou yes. you. Jesus Thou shalt do no thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not thou shalt not and thou shalt love the Lord man said unto you, All these things have I tested for my of
0: what lack I am. Jesus said unto you, If thou would be perfect, go and sell that thou art and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure and all the people of the So uh, th- this is remarkable how Jesus tells you. First, he tells you, Don't save your treasures here on earth, right? save your treasures in heaven where neither moth destroy but then he tells you how to save that treasure on earth when he talks to this man when he says go and sell all your treasure give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven he's instructing him that all those riches that you think you have because because remember he's talking to a jew right and he's asking the, the jew the jew is asking him what do i have to do to inherit eternal life and then he tells him if you will enter into life keep the commandments he's telling the ten commandments he just quoted the whole ten commandments for him which every jew would have learned from his childhood the first things that they learned before they reached the age of 12 so 12 is the bar mitzvah bar mitzvah means son of the son of the law son of the commandments right 12 is the point where they have to recite God's laws, God's commandments. It means that they're old enough to actually read the law and obey the law, right? So they are able to recite the Shema, Shema Israel Adonai Elohim Adonai Kadosh. They are able to recite the Ten Commandments. So when Jesus tells him, "Go and keep the law," and then he says, "I've kept all of that from my childhood. What more am I lacking?" And then he tells him, "If you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete." and sell all of your wealth and then come and follow me give it to the poor and you have treasures in heaven then come and follow me and then he got sad because he had great wealth right he couldn't think of himself giving up that much to live the proper life with jesus and his disciples because they were living like paupers right they were going from place to place the disciples they had given up their fishing business you know like their fishing business was Lucrative, anyways. They were struggling, you know, fishermen, right? And they were walking from place to place. Even sometimes they didn't have enough money to buy bread. And even when they did buy bread, they had to split five breads and run 5,000 people, right? So, and Jesus was calling him to a different kind of lifestyle go and sell all that you have and come and follow me, and you have treasure in heaven. he wasn't able to embrace that how many of us if jesus revealed himself today and said i want you to give up your job your everything i'm not telling you that jesus is telling you that right now just fyi (laughs) i'm just saying that how many of us if jesus came today and said give up all your luxury give up your life in um, america your comfort in america and i want you to go to the village somewhere And follow me while I'm teaching the gospel over there. How many of you would jump at that idea? Not very many people would. Very few people would. Only a select few would. And that's why Jesus only had a few disciples initially. His ministry only grew after his death and his resurrection. And it took the grace of God for that gospel to get to us today. The fact that we enjoy the luxury of the gospel, being able to serve him in freedom there's so many places where people can't serve christ they'll call themselves christians in freedom there are many countries where there's sharia law imposed you gotta obey the sharia laws there are many societies who have actually turned towards uh, a false religion because you know they don't know who christ is they haven't received the revelation of who christ is right so we should be constantly willing to see who he is in our day we should be constantly wanting and longing for him to reveal himself and who he is in our days. Yes, we may be comfortable in what we have today. And those blessings, yes, they could have come from God, but we should seek the source of those blessings. All right, uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 5, uh, because this one. So the same story that we just read, right? The That same story of uh, Matthew 19 that you just read. Uh I is also in Mark chapter 10. I want to read the the one in Mark chapter 10 real quick. I just want to read it again so we can get a little bit of context of how Mark tells the same story. Mark chapter 10 from 17 to 31. So I'll just read it right here in my Bible. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled at kneeled to him and asked him, Good master. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I have observed from my youth. Yes. So he's saying, I've observed this things since my bar mitzvah. I've kept them. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Jesus loved him that he had kept the commandments and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast and give it to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up the cross and follow me. This is the key phrase I wanted to get from here. He said, come and take up the cross and follow me. This is a lifestyle of embracing the cross. Embracing Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, he should carry his own cross. Sorry, let the train go. He should take up his own cross and follow me, right? And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered them saying, I said unto your children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches, they that trust in riches, to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were even more astonished out of measure saying among themselves, who then can be saved? Like if the wealthy folks can be saved, if all those wealthy, Pastors who fly in private jets can be saved because remember this guy who is talking to Jesus—he's not a sinner. He's a—he's a Jew who has grown up under the gospel, who has grown up under the commandment, right? And he's wealthy. And in Jesus's time, they believed that if God—if you have wealth, God has blessed you. We believe the same thing even now in Nigeria. Say God has blessed you exceedingly, you know. They can even say that God is with him, God has prospered him, God has increased him. And the, the 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 disciples they're astonished and say, Well, if the wealthy that have been blessed by God can't enter into the kingdom, who then can enter the kingdom? Right? And then what does Jesus say? Then Jesus, looking up, looking upon them, said, But men, it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lord, we have left all that we have, and we have followed you. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sister, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. For he shall receive an hundredfold now, in this time, and houses, and bedrooms, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, but guess what he adds in there? He just quickly put some caveat, a curveball in there with persecutions. You're not going to inherit that fault with just simple, easy life. You're going to inherit it with persecutions. and in the world to come.